Chapter two of Little Blue Book six forty six The Spirit of Brazilian Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Little Blue Book six forty six The Spirit of Brazilian Literature by Isaac Goldberg. Chapter two The Formative Period fifteen hundred to seventeen fifty the sixteenth century is fairly barren for literature in brazil there are the inevitable chroniclers there are the active versatile father anchieta the poet say rather versifier beato teixeira pinto and not much else at home which is to say lisbon brazil played a little part in the ambitions of the reigning monarch whose eyes were covetously turned to opulent india one must build his home before he furnishes it with objects of art there was a civilization to develop in brazil there were races to be fused there were natural resources to be discovered and exploited slowly but surely the national feeling must be developed as we have seen the first form this took was a fondness for the physical land itself nativism that was not inconsistent with allegiance to portugal any more than love of the soil was inconsistent with the allegiance of the early north american colonists to england as to who was really the first brazilian author we shall not quarrel homero would establish anchieta as the pivot of the century's letters verissimo has his own opinions upon the subject inclining to favorite teixeira pinto besides the fact that there is little to choose between in the matter the question had better be left to the historians first in time at any rate is padre jose gianchietta who for more than a half a century was instructor of the natives the man was remarkable for energy if not for creative imagination for his beloved charges he wrote grammars and lexicons and plays and hymns he was a polyglot writing in portuguese spanish latin and tupi he composed the earliest autos and religious plays to be produced in brazil his was hardly pioneering he may stand as a symbol of the better work accomplished by the jesuits in the early days the first jesuits arrived in the fourth decade of the century at bahia they opened the earliest school of any loftier pretensions their immediate concern was to establish wherever possible institutions for the teaching of writing reading arithmetic latin grammar christian doctrine and later on rhetoric and scholastic philosophy they were during the first century as verissimo has said brazil's entire culture and provided her first impulse toward literary expression the jesuits served as a buffer between the rapacious settlers and the indians oliveira lima has even suggested that the peaceful dignified separation of church and state in brazil decreed by the republic in eighteen ninety owed its pacific character to a grateful recollection of the services rendered to the country by the jesuits such opinion is not unanimous of course homero and we may well see the justice of his remarks did not consider the jesuit influence a happy one as far as concerned the intellectual and aesthetic formation of the nascent nationality first of the brazilian poets is bento teixeira pinto who flourished in the second half of the sixteenth century he was a poet and he flourished only by the grace of a stereotyped literary phraseology it is still doubtful whether he wrote the entertaining dialogue concerning the grandeurs of brazil or whether he composed the relation of the shipwreck 
suffered by Jorge de Alberacuque Coelho, a prose account dealing with an adventure of that noble personage in the year 1565. Undoubtedly his, however, and dedicated to this same noble, is the Prosopopeia, a most uninspiring procession of stilted eleven-syllabled verses, ninety-four eight-line stanzas of them, as classic as sterile imitation could make them. Through Bento Teixeira, the influence of Camões entered into Brazilian literature. Camões, however, was an influence that was bound to enter, and one visions him but dimly in the pedestrian performance that is the prosopopeia. What saves the poem from an obscurity in which only the vestal services of the literary historians will not let it repose is a description of the Hesifil Pernambuco. Here we come upon one of the first evidences of nativism in Brazilian letters, but the passage is, as poetry, utterly worthless. Verissimo can detect in it not the slightest sign of influence exercised by the new surroundings amid which it was conceived and executed. In that case it falls both as art and as native word-painting. Gabriel Suarez de Souza is one of the few other writers of the century that need claim our attention. His descriptive treatise of Brazil in 1587 has been praised in generous terms by the voluminous investigator Farnhagen for a profound observation unequaled by either Dioscorides or Pliny. Neither of these men explains the plants of the old world better than Suarez those of the new. It is astonishing how the attention of a single person could occupy itself with so many things, such as are contained in his work which treats at the same time in relation to brazil of geography history typography hydrography intertropical agriculture brazilian horticulture native materia medica wood for building and for cabinet work zoology in all its branches administrative economy and even mineralogy the jesuit father fernão cargin fifteen forty through sixteen twenty five seems to have been translated into english as early as sixteen twenty five the manuscript dealt with the origin of the indians in brazil and their social and religious customs if we are to follow homero the chroniclers of the sixteenth century in their crude work already forecast the duplex tendency of brazilian literature description of nature and description of the savage there is more to brazilian letters than this just as on the other hand literature is elsewhere in america and on the european continent reveals similar traits this tendency in brazil grows during the seventeenth century and in the eighteenth becomes predominant viewed in this light then brazilian nativism far from being the creation of the nineteenth century romanticism was rather a historic prolongation in literature as in life the boy may be father to the man economically the seventeenth century in brazil was the century of sugar as the eighteenth was the century of gold and the nineteenth the century of coffee aggression of the dutch in pernambuco and of the french in maranhão united the colonists against external opposition and gave them a sense of what we might call brazilianity a rural aristocracy arose among the prosperous mill owners nascent nationalism reveals its reverse in a rising hatred of foreigners as the century advanced bahia became a veritable court in miniature in its governor the centre of a pleasure-loving society in literature the age is fairly the property of the bahian group on the other hand were the courtiers well-read in spanish italian and portuguese letters and qualified to imitate them 
on the other hand was a rude civilization which beneath the splendor of this imitative pomp concealed upper-class greed and lower-class servitude so that a gregorio gematus might arise and belch his satire largely imitative that too like the hell-mouth of bahia that he was called the omnipresent chroniclers i shall pass over with a reference to fray vincinci del salvador whose history of the colony written in sixteen twenty seven and not published until eighteen eighty eight has earned the profound respect of all commentators to him in contradistinction to the spiritual serfs of portugal brazil meant already more than a merely geographical expression it assumed historical and social connotations his account is of importance for its mine of folklore and technically for its prose verissimo indeed calls him the only brazilian prosator of the first phase of our literature of the century's poets we shall trouble ourselves with but two the first of these manuel botello de oliveira sixteen thirty six through seventeen eleven was the first brazilian poet to publish a book of verses the second gregorio de matos guerra sixteen thirty three through sixteen ninety six was the hellmouth whom we have already met brother to the preacher eusebio de matos sixteen twenty nine through sixteen ninety two give me the bohemian rather than the bonds botteo de oliveira was a polyglot after anchieta's own heart his book of rhymes contained verses in portuguese spanish italian and latin and hardly a breath of poetry in any of the four tongues what saves his line from extinction is what saved banto teixeira from oblivion a descriptive poem the isle of mare in which has been discovered one of the earliest manifestations of nativism botello's brazilianism however is shown by his preface to have been a conscious attitude in the three hundred and twenty odd lines of the poem however i have been able to discover about four lines that may claim to containing poetry even homero found the poet's nationalism in external matter the pen he writes is one of his moments of aesthetic insight wished to depict brazil but the soul belonged to spanish and portuguese cultism in this one of the younger brazilian critics the gifted ronaldo de carvalho concurs carvalho would discover the genuine beginnings of brazilian sentiment in gregorio Giamatos. however that may be and much ink has been shed on the subject the arrow-tongued gregorio is the salient personality of his day his attitude his language his his new world consciousness his blending of the racial traits make of him a virtual precursor verissimo stands pulls apart from homero and caravaggio in his attitude towards gregorio gematos the first generation of brazilian poets gregorio gematos included is exclusively portuguese to suppose that there is in gregorio gematos any originality of form or content is to show one's ignorance of the portuguese poetry of the time and of the spanish which was so close to it which the portuguese so much imitated in which he in particular fairly plagiarized true enough and ferdinand wolf a half-century before had said practically the same thing yet i am afraid that verissimo protests somewhat too much for despite the hell-mouth's imitativeness his errant verses grew out of a troubled disgruntled life and led him often into trouble the fellow educated at coimbra came to brazil to try cases at law and rhyme and to win them he was the sort to make personal enemies the sort that may be neither happy with nor faithful to his wife a veritable arsenal of gossip and malice 
small wonder that he was exiled to the african colony of angola and that he was permitted to return to brazil only on the condition that he wrote no more verses he had his tenderer aspect as some of the sonnets show and his passionate abandon becomes a thing of hot lips and anacreonic ardors he was an intense liver if not a great creator of the older writers he is still of the few who may be read for themselves without the aid of a stiff dose of academic dutifulness the first half of the eighteenth century produced like the latter half of the seventeenth but two figures that possess any strong claims upon our consideration sebastian da rocha pita sixteen sixty through seventeen thirty eight and antonio jose da silva seventeen o five through seventeen thirty nine historically we have reached the epoch of the banderanches the second army of inland explorers living an epoch of colonization with all its attendant cruelties to pioneer and resisting native from the literary standpoint we approach the reign of the academies groups patterned after the like-named diversions of the renaissance incubated in the spirit of imitation yet not without effect upon the growing national culture Hoshapita, though the author of tales and verses is remembered now for his history of portuguese america and a strange rhapsodic thing that is that it should display leanings toward portugal is surely not to be wondered at as oliveira lima has asked in his youthful book upon colonial letters in brazil how is one to expect in an early eighteenth-century writer any well-defined nationalism if nationalism was absent however the lack was more than made up by a rampant lyric nativism there is a famous passage from this work which i believe every brazilian schoolboy must know it is indicative of rocha pita's inner and outer stylistic qualities in no other region writes the author is the sky more serene nor does dawn glow more beautifully in no other hemisphere does the sun flaunt such golden rays nor such brilliant nocturnal glints the stars are more benign and ever joyful the horizon where the sun is born and where it sinks to rest are always unclouded the water whether it be drunk from the springs in the fields or from the town aqueduct is of the purest brazil in short is the terrestrial paradise discovered at last wherein the vastest rivers arise and take their course to such pleasant mouthings as these the sterner spirit of a homero may serve as corrective homero who devoted the third chapter of his voluminous history of brazilian literature to setting the englishman buckle right as to rainfall in brazil buckle had based his case upon the excessive rainfall states that far from this being the case the country suffers from serious drought buckle it seems never having visited brazil took as gospel truth just such rhetorical exaggerations as we have been sampling in Pita. yet excepting the amazon the rivers in general are small the mountains are modest the fauna is neither as rich nor as awe-inspiring as early report had declared antonio jose does not properly belong in the history of brazilian letters he was born in the colony of jewish parents he died in portugal the hands of the inquisition his work however was done in the mother country whither he had gone as early as his eighth year his tragic end lifted him into a prominence which otherwise he might never have attained bell indeed the latest historian of portuguese literature is of opinion that his dramas would in all likelihood have received little attention in the nineteenth and twentieth centuries had it not been for the tragedy of the author's life yet southey considers him the best of their drama writers the brazilians have tried to make him their own as have in fact portuguese curiously enough 
Gorin's History of the Yiddish Theatre in Yiddish claims for him a place in the creative production of the Jews. Antonio Jose's pieces were in the nature of what today we call comic opera. Wolf has likened his work to that of Offenbach. The Jews to this very day are prominent in the writing and the composing of comic operas, and by that token, as by more than any other, part of Antonio Jose may be saved for Jewish cultural history. The substance of his work, however, despite the patriotic case that Homero would make out, links him in letters to Portugal. It is of interest to recall that the first tragedy written by a Brazilian, The Poet and the Inquisition, by Magalhães, one of the initiators of Brazilian Romanticism, was based upon the dramatist's life. The first phase of Brazilian literature, as I have divided it, reveals a literary dependency fairly comparable to the political and economic ties to the mother country. The nascent civilization wars on the one hand with covetous foreigners and on the other with fractious natives. There is not yet love of country as an independent entity, but an intense fondness for the soil. In the fact of physical separation slumbers the germ of intellectual autonomy. The bounding imagination of the Brazilian, his pride of place, his wistful moodiness that Portugal long before knew as saudade, his sensual ardor, born of inheritance, climate, and racial mixture, these are already present in more or less developed state. The colony has become integrated. End of chapter 2